morning city-based family and friends. This morning I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for being the wonderful people of God that you are and for how you have been caring for each other and for those that are in need. May God richly bless you. As you can see from all the prayer requests, people are desperate and they are in need of encouragement. Others are in need of Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Others are in need of healing. Others just want to know that they are being thought of and that they are being prayed for. And can I encourage you not to grow weary in doing good, even when it can all seem so overwhelming? <clears throat> in Galatians 6 verse 9 it says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And we're not going to give up. We're going to press on and we're going to make it through this. Amen. Before I carry on and get to my sermon this morning, I'd like to pray a prayer that Paul prayed over the Colossians. And I'd like to pray that prayer over you this morning. It's found in Colossians 1, verse 9 to 13. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And I trust that this encourages you to keep on carrying on. You can do it. Amen. So this morning I want to continue where I ended off last week speaking on walls that need to be built up and we're going to continue to be looking at the book of Nehemiah this morning and using the scriptures from there. So if we compare a walled city with an unwalled city in ancient times, the walled city was much stronger and more easily defended from the enemy's attack. It was much more secure. It was also known and established because walled cities were not just temporary settlements that could easily be overrun. The wall set the city apart from the surrounding countryside and it was visible for miles around. And people knew that they could run there if trouble was coming their way and that they would find protection in the city. And this is how the Lord wants his followers to be, established, strong, solid believers with a testimony that's plainly visible in this dark world. He wants a consistent lifestyle that's distinctly biblical, a lifestyle with clear separation from the values and the attitudes of the surrounding world systems. So how can we build these kind of spiritual walls in our lives? And Nehemiah gives us a few, a few clues to this. And we're going to be looking from Nehemiah chapter 1 to Nehemiah chapter 3 this morning. And we're going to be learning some important lessons from Nehemiah. And so the first lesson is, we see Nehemiah had concern for the people. Nehemiah lived far from Jerusalem at this time. 
when his brothers came to him and told him about the state of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was in Persia, which was about 160 kilometers away from Jerusalem. And he could have said, well, what's this got to do with me? I'm safe here in Persia. I have a wonderful job. I serve the king. I'm living a good life. Why are you bothering me with the stories of Jerusalem? But Nehemiah was troubled or concerned by what he heard. These were his people and his people's land. And Jerusalem was the holy city and it was laying in ruins. The walls and the gates had been broken down and there was no more protection for the people. And so in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, we get to see Nehemiah's heart here. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some time. I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. If we want strong spiritual walls, we need this kind of concern. Do we weep when we can't defend our faith because our knowledge of God's word is limited? We don't read it that often. And because we don't read it that often, we don't really understand it. And because we don't understand it, we don't want to study it. And so we don't have a good working of the knowledge of God's word. What about fasting? Do we fast? I'm not just talking about from food, but from TV, from the internet, from our work, from our families, from our hobbies, maybe even doing the work of the ministry. When we realize how much time these things consume and how little time we spend with Jesus, are we willing to sacrifice them for Jesus? When we have no time for Jesus, our spiritual walls take a beating and they get broken down. And we see Nehemiah that even though he stayed far away, he was willing to go and do something about the walls of Jerusalem. And look at what he prays in Nehemiah 1 verse 11. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And then in Nehemiah 2, verse 4 to 6. Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. We can see here that Nehemiah didn't use distance or his position as an excuse not to go. He went himself. He was willing to sacrifice all his privileges for God and for the safety of God's people. Usually doing the work of God will result in you falling out of favor with many people and worldly pleasures. But can I say the price is worth it for our king? And if we look in the Bible or even at people we know who have built strong spiritual walls around their lives, it has taken great sacrifice, but they will all tell you it was worth it. And they would do it again in a heartbeat. 
So we can see that Nehemiah had concern for the people and their well-being. He was concerned about what was going to happen to them. Secondly, Nehemiah confesses that they are guilty because they've turned away from God. And we can see this in Nehemiah 1, reading from verse 5 to 11. Nehemiah prays this. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you. Day and night for your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your, the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are exiled, sorry, even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizons, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. So why did Nehemiah pray for the sins of the Israelites and for his and his family's sins? Because Nehemiah knew that the state they were finding themselves in was as a result of their sinning, their turning away from God and his commandments. And so he repented not only for his and his family's sin, but also on behalf of the nation's sins. He wanted to make things right with God right between him and Israel. He didn't want there to be any barriers between the Israelites and God. So he prayed for them. He knew for the city to be restored and for the walls to be rebuilt, that, he had to, that there had to be a turning away from sin and a turning back to God. Can I ask you, what is the condition of your own heart, of your family, of your nation's heart? Have they been following false gods? Money, sex, alcohol, power, fame? These will break down spiritual walls and cause ruin. Are you willing to take responsibility for your own actions and turn away from your sins? You see, there has to be a making right with God before the walls can even start to be rebuilt. Thirdly, we see Nehemiah take charge. When Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem and saw what was going on, he tackled the problem head on. First, he made a thorough inspection of the situation, and then he took charge, and he came up with a plan of how to rebuild the walls. In Nehemiah 2, verse 11 to 15, 
I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally I turned back and returned through the valley gate. Once Nehemiah had come up with a plan, he took it to the people and explained it to them. Nehemiah made sure that the people understood that God was behind this wall-building idea. God always promotes spiritual wall-building. And in Nehemiah 2, verse 17 and 18, Then I said to them, See the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. Nehemiah had a plan, and the people were eager to follow the plan and to start the work. Then fourthly, we are going to need to stand against opposition. And we can see this in Nehemiah 2, verse 19 to 20. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Nehemiah knew that his plan to rebuild was from God. And he knew that they would be successful in the rebuilding of the wall. Even with all the mocking and the threats that came along, Nehemiah knew that God would give them the power, the ability, the strength, and the resources to carry out not only the building of the wall, but the completion of the wall. Like I said last week, God will come through for you. When you take a stand against the enemy and you start to rebuild that wall, you will succeed, even in the face of danger. As Christians, there are going to be many times in our walk with the Lord that we can either take a stand against the enemy or we can just give in to him and allow him access into our lives. What we need to do is confront the issue. We must face our broken walls, determine the condition of our walls and ask God for a plan to restore them and then take action. We cannot be lazy in this area. Laziness leads to spiritual rubble building up instead of strong protective walls. And we don't want to be known as people just with a whole lot of rubble, but we want strong spiritual walls. Maintaining strong spiritual walls takes discipline. And in the story of the three little pigs, 
you have the three houses. One is built with straw, the other with sticks, and the third house is built with bricks. Building with straw and sticks is easy and it's quick. The houses go up quickly. But the house built with bricks takes a long time and it takes hard work. But when the wolf, who is the enemy, comes along, he couldn't get into the third house. And you and I have a choice to make as to how and with what we are going to build. Either we're going to build strong and solid or the enemy is just going to come with a huff and a puff and a house is going to come tumbling down. Can I encourage you, build strong, build with eternity in mind. The fifth lesson we can learn from Nehemiah is construction. Everyone was involved in the construction of the walls. They built the walls around the areas where they were staying. And you and I need to take care of our own spiritual walls first before we go and want to start helping other people build their walls. Notice that, excuse me, the phrase opposite his house or in front of his house. And this is used several times in chapter 3, in verse 10, in verse 23, in verse 28, and verse 29. And what the people were instructed to do was to build up the wall in front of where they lived. That is what they were responsible for. Before they went on to help anywhere else, they had to build the wall in front of their house. Our own spiritual walls need to be strong before we can even hope to be effective in spiritual wall building in our families' lives or in our churches or some other ministries. Wall building starts by spending time working on your relationship with the Lord through prayer and reading and studying God's Word. And this is something that we should do every day. When the walls of Jerusalem were being rebuilt, the people didn't all come together and build one section of the wall and then move on to the next part. They were all busy building different sections of the wall. And it's the same when it comes to building spiritual walls. We don't complete a section of the wall in our lives called, for example, overcoming, and then move on to the next section labeled prayer. We don't work only on Bible study part of our wall and then wait to build the praise part, and then the worship part. No, we work on all parts of the wall at the same time, so as to remain balanced as Christians in constructing our spiritual walls. We don't want to become imbalanced. And so I trust that with what I've shared with you this morning, will help you, And it will encourage you to take a long, hard look at the spiritual walls in your life. And it will help you and encourage you to get them sorted out, built strong, so that you can stay on track, so that your spiritual walk with the Lord will be a walk of victory and not one of defeat. And I pray this for you, that you will remain standing strong. Don't give in to the enemy. Build your walls strong and you will see they will stand up against the enemy's attack and he will not be able to come in and destroy them. Can we pray together? Father, I want to pray for your people this morning. 
and for myself. Father, there are so many areas in our lives where we are weak and we are not functioning the way that we should. Some of us have even turned away from you and we've been following the ways of the world. And this morning I pray that you forgive us. I pray that you help us to turn back to you, to rebuild what has been broken down and to build it up strong so that, Father, when the enemy comes along, we will stand and we will not fall. I pray your blessing upon these people that are listening this morning. And Father, I pray that they will go from strength to strength, that they will walk in victory in all areas of their lives. I pray this in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Amen. May God richly bless you and have a wonderful week. Amen.